Hello, this is On The Left Side, the alternative football show, and I'm Jim. It's panic stations right now if your club is in sniffing distance of the dreaded drop zone. And following in the footsteps of Palace and Swansea, pulling the ejector ripcord this week was Hull City, who said farewell to Mike Phelan. Bye-bye. It says so much about the state of Hull City right now that they even managed to cock up the official press release for his departure by including the wrong date on the statement, mistaking January for December, making it appear more like it was a prediction of something they were going to do in 11 months' time rather than an actual sacking. At least Mike could take solace in the fact that his surname is pretty useful when it comes to writing puns, and we all know how Twitter loves a pun. So soon, Mike Phelan farewell jokes were everywhere, with my personal favourite being from at Matt Dunn Express, who said... They lost their love of feeling, now he's gone, 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 whoa, whoa. Phelan has since been replaced by Olympiacos coach Marcos Silva, which is great news. Just think of all the puns you can have with a name like Silva when he gets sacked in around eight weeks' time. So, what's coming up on this week's show? We discover the very first Betamax manager, it's money for old rope in the East End, and Samir Nasri needs a new social media manager. But first, Pep needs a pep up. It's not quite been going to plan for Pep Guardiola, has it? The golden boy of world football was expected to have led Manchester City to at least 50% of football world domination by now, but instead he finds himself blaming referees, pitches and the good old English game of football for his genius not quite taking hold in the North West. Come to think of it, haven't we heard those kind of excuses somewhere before? I have nothing, nothing to say. In fact, even Pep's post-match chat seems to have a hint of the special one about him, as he seemingly struggles to make the real impact he wants to at the Etihad. You want it? You want it the hard way? Yeah, that's true. She showed real spirit after going down to ten men. Yeah, that's true. You don't seem that happy that you've won. More than you believe. More than you believe I'm happy. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy. Happy New Year. I'm not 100% sure how convincing it is that he's happy. In fact, it couldn't have been less convincing if he'd broken out into song. Clap along if recent results has left you feeling low. Clap along if you despair at our new keeper, Bravo. Clap along if your big plan doesn't work in the Premier League. Clap along if you wished you'd never come and now you want to leave. Because I'm happy singular. Oh, sorry. Where was I? Yeah, Pep doesn't seem too happy at all. He's even started doing what we all do when we're not happy with our jobs, and that's dreaming of retirement. He told NBC that Manchester City could be the last club he manages and his career may be over in as little as three years, adding that... The process of my goodbye has already started. Hang on, you're going to take three years to say goodbye? It's a bit extreme, isn't it? That's about the same length of time it took my in-laws to finally leave after Christmas dinner this year. Long day, eh? 
it's really getting on a bit, isn't it? Whoa. I'm going to hit the hay soon, I think. I say, Jim, have you got any more of that wonderful brandy? No. Ow! Get out. Clearly also not having a great time, but for different reasons at City at the moment, is Raheem Sterling, who, like the rest of us, has clearly found Christmas a bit too much of a financial stretch after he was spotted shopping in Manchester Arndale's Poundland this week. Firstly, I absolutely love that a man called Sterling was shopping in Poundland. And secondly, I love that a man that earns £180,000 a week, that's just over £9 million a year by the way, still has just as much of an appetite for a 10-pack of J-cloths and a cheap bottle of Panda Pop as the rest of us. I imagine that was probably his shopping list. Either that or with a lofty budget of £1, he was looking to buy a new City defender who was better at playing centre-back than Alexander Kolarov. Which, for a quid, should be pretty easy. Gotta hand it to Arsenal, they really are committed to fulfilling our expectations. And when I talk about expectations, I don't mean those unrealistic expectations from their fans that they might actually win something one day. I mean those expectations from the rest of the footballing community that a promising start will fall away around the new year, eventually giving way to a fourth place finish. In fact, Arsenal's new left-back, Cohen Bramall, was just three years old when the Gunners lifted the Premier League title, no doubt concentrating harder on learning to count to ten than kicking a ball about. So, in that way, like most of the current squad now. You'd think that given recent performances, the Arsenal fans would be getting used to disappointment, but apparently not. Arsenal drove down to the south coast to take on Bournemouth, where Eddie Howe passed his interview to become the next Arsenal manager with flying colours after seeing his team throw away a 3-0 lead to draw 3-3. And people said he wasn't ready to be the next Arsenal manager. Arsene Wenger would be proud. A great comeback, some Arsenal fans might well shout, but those Arsenal fans would soon be drowned out by a load of expletive-ridden anger from other fans who get regular screen time on the amazing Arsenal Fan TV. It's bullshit. Absolute bollocks. You don't go 3-0 down against fucking Bournemouth. Are you having a fucking laugh? Fucking bullshit. Nothing quite as funny as an angry gooner. And it was Aaron Ramsey who was getting both barrels too. What is this Aaron Ramsey? He could have a shot and the ball would go backwards. Is there like a clone of him that goes to Wales and then one that plays at Arsenal? Given the celebrity death hit rate of 2016, maybe there is a clone of Aaron Ramsey. But rather than playing for Arsenal and struggling to score goals, he's playing for the dog and duck in Rotherham and blasting five in each and every week. That would explain a lot. Clearly, fearing for his own life, celebrity in his own right, Piers Morgan, even laid into the Welshman on Twitter, tweeting, I don't just want at Aaron Ramsey substituted at half-time. I want him sold. I'm not sure you can sell players at half-time, Piers. You're thinking of pies, I think. You sell pies at half-time. Now, most Arsenal fans probably would have woken up in the morning, saw that Piers Morgan agreed with them and completely changed their opinions. But the Good Morning Britain presenter was still spitting the next day when he chatted to the two mics on TalkSport. I've been saying for eight years that Wenger has run his course. To me, I look at the Premier League now and I see six top teams, five of them 
have what I consider to be uh, digital managers. We have an analogue manager struggling to compete in a digital era. Yeah. So essentially, you're saying that Jose Mourinho is a high-speed broadband connection, Jurgen Klopp is an Apple MacBook Pro, and Arsene Wenger is what? Betamax. What you're forgetting, Piers, is that analogue isn't always worse than digital. For example, analogue phones are much harder to hack than digital ones. But I'm sure you know all about that. Some pretty shocking things have happened in football over the years. Roy Keane deliberately nobbling Alfinger Haaland. Paolo Di Canio's referee pushing incident. Sepp Blatter being caught with his... Um, maybe that one wasn't that shocking. But very few have been quite as shocking as the reports that West Ham United are preparing to fork out a whopping 15 million quid on 34-year-old Sunderland striker Jermaine Defoe. The cash-happy hammers have already had a £6 million bid turned down and are apparently preparing to go back to test David Moyes' resolve on keeping the player. £15 million quid though. I've not spent that type of money on JD since that night in a London strip club. Still, that was a double. This JD is certainly a short. That's a joke on him not being very tall, by the way. But even with crazy cash amounts flying around, the message from Sunderland was pretty clear. Well, West Ham made an offer which we rejected. We've said he's not for sale and we're not selling him. And David Moyes certainly seems much calmer than the Sunderland fans who, rightly so, pointed out that six million quid for a player who scored 11 goals already this season falls pretty heavily under the headline insulting. It's about a third of what the Hammers paid for the big Geordie NHS burden Andy Carroll, which means they're valuing JD at about the same level as, say, Big Andy's left leg, his ponytail, and maybe half his spleen. You can see how some fans might get upset. It would seem that the West Ham board are taking their valuations straight out of the 2002 Premier League player handbook. But there is another possible explanation. When you look at that bid alongside the 3 million that they also put in for Hull's Robert Snodgrass, as at MattTHFC underscore pointed out on Twitter, they're obviously taking inspiration from the deal that got them the Olympic Stadium. 3 million for Snodgrass and 6 million for Defoe? West Ham hoping the taxpayer will pay the rest? Laughable. So, no deal done yet. But when someone does sign on the dotted line, you can guarantee that you'll hear about it first on Sky Sports News. The Sky journalists are currently busy sniffing out the latest deals like these salivating dogs they are, and that ferocious hunger to shout, DEAL DONE, can sometimes lead to mistakes. This week they reported Aberdeen's capture of Turkish midfielder Yerdes Selvazon on a three-year contract. The only slight issue being that Aberdeen didn't sign Yerdes Selvason because Yerdes Selvason isn't a footballer. In fact, Yerdes Selvason doesn't even exist. What had happened is Sky Sports had spotted a tweet from a fake Aberdeen FC Twitter account with a wind-up that they fell for hook, line and sinker. If only they'd taken the time to look at the name and say it slowly in a Scottish accent. Your dad sells Avon. Your dad sells Avon. Your dad sells Avon. Oh. I'm now looking forward to a flurry of made-up players being announced by Sky over the next few weeks as everyone tries to get in on the action. So keep your eyes peeled for some big money moves for the likes of Hugh Jars, Seymour Butts, Mike Rutch and Sado Berahino. 
That last one is uh, obviously a joke. No one's gonna sign him. And finally, I'd imagine Samir Nasri has had better fortnights than this one. It all started off with a simple hangover cure and ended up with a potential career-ending ban. At the end of 2016, the French midfielder's Twitter account was the scene of more drama than the average EastEnders episode after an incident in the hotel room. Samir had hired the services of drip doctors, who came to see him to administer an IV vitamin drip after a long-haul flight to LA. The kind of thing that posh celebrities use to get over hangovers, that kind of thing. He, as tends to happen when celebs get stuff, tweeted a picture recommending their services and posing next to Jamila, the company owner, who administered the drip. But it's what else she administered that's causing the trouble. After posting the picture, his Twitter account was seemingly hacked by his girlfriend, Anara Atanis, who suggested that it wasn't just the drip doctor's hose that was getting some action that night. As she posted, You also provided me with a full sexual service too right after. So, guys, make sure you get this service. This whore comes and f***s the same night. More and more tweets appeared and more and more tweets were swiftly deleted. But clearly, Anara believed that after Jamila had put some salty liquid into Samir, Samir thought he'd put some of his own salty liquid into Jamila. And it gets worse. The treatment he received is currently being investigated by the World Anti-Doping Agency, where, if he's found guilty, he could be banned from football for four years. Poor old Nasri. Some people get away with a few cut-up ties when they cheat on their girlfriend. His whole life has been taken apart with a chainsaw. At worst, it could be the end of his footballing career. At best, it's just very, very embarrassing. But given that bleach blonde haircut that he was sporting during the Euros, he's probably quite used to a bit of embarrassment. Right, that's your lot. Another episode of On The Left Side done. Thank you very much for listening. If you've not subscribed yet, then make sure you do. It means you'll never miss an episode and it will just plop onto your phone or your iPod, just like Pablo Zabaleta in the West Ham penalty area. Right, I'm off to see if I can convince Sky Sports that Spurs have just signed the German midfield dynamo My Enormous Butt, because that's full time. Bye! On the left side is a Paint Your Headphones production for Abrupt Audio. You're saying uh, for the sounds of Sammy Nasri having sex in this episode, I'm using a camel moaning and groaning. I've not told you, we make podcasts and do voiceovers for uh, <laughs> chat, chat lines. <laughs> The funny thing is, on the same recording, I'm about to do a paid voiceover, so I hope I don't leave that in. <laughs> <laughs>